Hello, and welcome to Smooth Scaling, the podcast from Insight Partners that helps revenue leaders scale their software companies at every stage of growth. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan. And today I'm speaking with Simon Chasser, Chief Revenue Officer at Clarity, a company that empowers industrial, healthcare, and commercial organizations to secure all cyber-physical systems in their environments. Welcome to the show, Simon. Hey, thanks, Jeremy. Pleasure to be here. Excited to speak with you. Since you may or may not have heard our podcast before, we have what I call the chit-chat free zone at the beginning, and we dive right in. So I'd love you to reflect on your career, which spans some amazing companies, Clarity, obviously, but NTT, VMware, Cisco, Avaya, the list goes on. So I'd love to, for you to reflect on your career and think about uh, an initiative that stands out in your mind as having had a major impact on revenue performance. Thanks, Jeremy. I think that moving into technology in the in the sort of mid to late 90s and moving through from different technology companies, whether it be networking or telecommunications to infrastructure, software, and then on into cybersecurity, it's been a bit of a, a bit of a journey and multiple different experiences in terms of driving revenue growth through whether it be upsell, efficiencies, organic, inorganic, and ultimately executing those programs. So I've got a bit of a a broad spectrum of things to choose from. When I was researching you for this podcast, I saw you do a, a pretty proper overview of Internet of Things and cybersecurity. I don't see that a lot from CROs. So I, I'm kind of curious how you got smart on cybersecurity after coming from the, the telecom and managed services spaces. Oh, my goodness. I think it goes back to probably my first ever sort of shift into the technology world where um, I was an accountant. And accountancy was moving from manual accounting books to computerized accounting. And I sort of studied an MCSC course, a certified system engineering course, Microsoft, and learned TCP IP and various different star and bus uh, topology network designs. And, you know, from there, I've sort of always embraced technology as that was then how I created a few of my own companies to address, I suppose, business optimization and how to look at financial data and records to create business opportunity and optimization growth and therefore i've always embraced understanding the technology and what value it provides for organizations you know so that's i suppose just something i just enjoy doing and making sure i understand it given your background you have this incredible background being on kind of both sides of the systems integrator puzzle if you will being on the systems integrator managed service provider kind of side as well as the software vendor side would kind of love to get some lessons and uh, maybe a story or two on that and in particular with a mind towards helping CROs CEOs who are at SaaS software vendors and ultimately want to partner better with SIs but don't yet know how yeah really good one actually so why don't I pick a period which um, was at NTT Uh, in essence I was in charge of the security tech uh, resale business, um, which was when I took it over about 56 different security technology vendor um, providers, as well as the implementation services, the support or service desk services, managed services and incident response services. And ultimately, you know, how do we get, uh, my task was ultimately, how do I get the growth out of the technology uh, resale side of the house at the same time driving gross profit contribution up and efficiency up in terms of our overall cost of our resources to support maintain implement etc and at the same time drive the growth in the uh, the managed services and support services cyber 
attached services, put it that way, increasing that growth revenue as well as the gross profit associated with it. So, you know, the story goes is that ultimately you need to understand, you know, what was the most applicable security control technology vendors that would address 90, 95% of a client's environment. So we rationalized on uh, effectively those particular uh, security control vendor partners. We made sure we had, you know, a preferred version and an alternative version in each of the overall security control sectors. And as part of that, that then rationalized the list down to about uh, 26, 27. From that, we then started to look at, okay, how do we start to partner more with them around making sure we've got the right services attached? So we brought those technology vendors into the company. We built a program, Secure by Design. As part of that program, we started to understand what are our attached services to those particular security control vendor environments. And we mapped out our service frameworks along the lines of what does it take to do implementation? What does it do to help to do service desk? You know, ultimately, what do we need to do in terms of the managed security services? So we had a, a services, I suppose, suite of frameworks and methodologies that was associated with each of the security control vendor partners. And then we basically engaged with them to help us through training and education, make sure that we were you know, current on all of those security technology partners. I'm hearing the subtext of efficient growth, right, or sustainable growth, which is the mantra of the day today, but, you know, rationalization of the types of services, the types of products that you offer, you know, has long been a way to, to clean things up. So, you know, you mentioned that you had these kind of 54-ish target partners that you'd be working with target software vendors with redundancy, right, that you always had a, a primary and an alternate. So you, you had the 27 or so primary software vendors. My question, I think, is, okay, so, you know, you mentioned a lot of larger companies that you had as your independent software vendor partners like Cisco and Palo Alto Networks and and so forth, Checkpoint. What if you're at a smaller company and you want to get the attention of a systems integrator? Can you go to, a, you know, an NTT or an Accenture or, you know, whomever and, and get their attention? Or is there a different way to start out? We did. We definitely did. So we obviously that list, as we looked across partners that were in different security control domains, as you start to get out to security control domains, which are slightly you know newer, for example, and you've got innovative based techs that have been created, you know, you still need to have a, a point of view as a system integrator. You've still got to have a recommendation and a capability to deliver that because there's a market for it. And whether it's an emerging or nascent market, it's still the market for it. So I'd say looking at even from NTT, you know, when I looked at OT, a couple of things I was looking at, which were, I mean, really nascent, which was quantum, and then effectively, which was emerging, which was operational technology, cyber, you know, looking at Clarity and Clarity's competitors when I was on the inside of NTT, you know, that was a similar piece. We were probably doing, I don't know, a million or so resale of the technology when I was on the other side of the house, a couple of million but yeah, I still need to have a technology partner that was effectively addressing the OT solution. So if you think about yourself and you're a, you know, you're an emerging tech startup, you've got a specific technology innovation that addresses a market need, you know, think about effectively what you're going through, the sort of startup journey, the three Ps, you know, you're, you're penetrating the market. Ultimately, you're selling it for whatever value that somebody has for it in the market, but it's addressing a challenge and a need. And the second phase is that protection stage where you're building out your you know, go-to-market, your channel ecosystems. You're moving 
you've moved from founder led to sales led and effectively you're, you're driving into sales at scale capabilities through the partner ecosystem with that sort of model as long as you make it clear and educate the system integrators and partners around what problem are you addressing and what's the market size and what product market fit do you have that's really where you get their attention because then you're not just like another another firewall partner or another edr partner for example you know there's it's, it's different it's different and difficult to sort of compete for their attention unless you're bringing them business for example just for completeness you mentioned three p's so penetrating the the market protecting where you build out your go-to-market what was the third p proliferation yeah proliferation so that's more around the technical alliances and creating a co-solution bundle alliances and, and building partnerships within the ecosystem from a demand generation perspective you mentioned earlier with these larger ISVs or system hardware companies, they were generating a decent amount of the demand for you at NTT, right? Maybe just talk a little bit to the demand gen aspects of it. Yeah. So, I mean, if you are a startup and I'd say anything through to like a series C, in essence, you're going to have to push and drive business opportunity and engagement into partners, right? It's, it's around, if you think about partner maturity especially for a startup you know getting them to identify an opportunity for you is the first part and that comes with all of education product market fit you know that awareness of your solution and capability for that particular problem that you're solving and they can then identify an opportunity for you they'll never ever be able to get to a stage of influencing that opportunity without additional skills capability but also muscle memory being built up of doing these things over and over again and, you know, they're never going to get to a point of being able to convince, right, unless there is a complete services capability wrap around it. You know, you've got really tight co-closings going on. So what you'd ideally like to try and do is think about it. And I'm going to take it to the story of, you know, for me at Clarity now as a vendor and building out a go-to-market is, first of all, identify, uh, educate the integrators and partners of what is the product market fit, what problem are you solving, why are you unique, and why you differentiate yourself against the others in the market. Show them what is the addressable market and opportunity for your technology. Then ultimately through that education, you build training programs. So skill them on what is the market that you are solving the problem for. Then you skill them on your solution. That allows them to be able to do identification so then they can come and bring you an identification through deal registration programs and other sort of channel um, programs that you build out. How do the roles differ when you move to an organization that's primarily selling through channel partners or partially selling through channel partners? Is it the same roles or do you need additional roles to serve and, and partner with channel organizations, with systems integrators? I think it evolved personally. So, you know, you're going to have for example, an early stage or an early technology startup company will be high touch enterprise. You know, they're going to be focused on, you know, finding the opportunity, convincing and penetrating the market. Then as you start to move into building channel relationships, you're going to need, you know, obviously you need an SE or solution engineer from a technical influence or validation point. But ultimately, as you move into a channel ecosystem, you're going to need channel uh, account managers that manage the relationships. Do you think of them as more an extension of of you know of marketing of sales how do you think of that role what of uh, of the channel so well if i go back a little while so if i go back to vmware when I mean, we were pre-startup going to startup we I, I mean i don't know who coined the phrase but it, it, it sort of stuck with me ever since which was something called xvt 
And that was the multiplier of the vendor technology organization inside a partner ecosystem. And the, the model was to get to 10 times. So if we had, you know, 50 salespeople, we wanted 500 salespeople across our channel ecosystem. You know, if we had 25 solution engineers, we wanted 250 across our channel ecosystem and so on, implementation engineers and so on and so on and so on. If you think about some of the best practice companies at the moment, like Palo Alto runs on a 20x VT across their channel ecosystem, Microsoft's at 100x VT. That is a multiplier. That comes into that whole proliferation stage, you know, the, the final sort of stage of a going into a hyper growth type of company uh, stage. If you focus your education program around, you know, what is it needed to understand the market, understand your, your solution and the challenge that you ultimately address, you know, how does sort of solution, how to implement, how does service desk support, you know, how does sort of user admin response type sort of services and training drive those certifications across your channel ecosystem in the same mantra as your own resources. So if you've got salespeople, you've got SEs, you've got the VPS teams, you've got customer success teams, you've got TAMs, and drive that multiple through a certification and enablement program like, like Clarity does with its Clarity Academy into our partner ecosystem. Now, you know, 10XVT is where you probably want to be when you're around about the, I don't know, 50 to 100 million scale. Ideally, you want to push towards sort of 15XVT when you're over the 100 million mark. And then when you sort of get to about the 200 to 250 million mark as a, as a sort of, you know, software company, you want to be you know, maintaining the high quality 20XVT probably across, I suppose, a core component of partners that span everything from advisory system integration, software VARs, to managed services, to IR companies, depending on what, what area you're in. The account managers are just doing relationship management, you know, across a broad set. And you have to narrow their focus down because that's where you get the, the mutual value backwards and forwards from the partner to the tech vendor. I'd also say there is a maturity evolution, which is going from channel account management to channel sales management, which is where you get that primary set of partners to be able to not just identify an opportunity, but also influence it. That's really where then the channel account management moves from relationship management to sales support management, ultimately helping them you know, close sales or support the sales. As you move from channel account management to channel sales management, and you're putting more expectation on the channel partner to sell or resell your solution, does that mean you're drifting away from the, the SI VAR world and more into the reseller world? Or is it just an enhanced version of the just more an enhanced, enhanced version? Yeah, it's just an enhanced version. It's just a maturity journey. So you're going to have, you're always going to have, depending on, you know, most companies or companies we focused on this particular segmentation of the market, whether it be very large enterprises, enterprises, mid-market, whatever it may be, across multiple industry verticals, they're all going to have, depending on the regional, you know, geographic spread you have, you're always going to have multiple different types of partners that are engaged with clients, whether it's just a pure software reseller, a VAR, an SI, an MSSP. It's, you know, that whoever has the strongest based relationship or value prop, and again, it comes back to that services methodologies. So one of the things that, you know, I did when we came here was to build off the shelf service methodologies or frameworks for our partners. As a last set of questions and going back to the the cold start, and you, you mentioned for early stage companies targeting this 10x VT leverage when you know you or one comes in as a as a CRO who do you look to to hire for channel account managers and AEs that are also comfortable with that motion what do you look for in in the talent 
I typically would look at somebody that, let me tell you the channel side, somebody that has managed a complex SI relationship from a big cyber vendor partner. You know, they know that what what is needed to navigate across multiple divisions because within a large sort of SI or MSSP, you know, you've got multiple fractions of service delivery line owners, portfolio owners, you know, sales owners, account relationship owners, which aren't even possibly part of a cyber specialist team or whatever it may be. The flip side in terms of what account executives I look for, hey, listen, I mean, I'm not going to give away my secret source, what I look for, but ultimately... I want to find someone that's got a good balance between intrinsically motivated and extrinsically motivated because I like to build a culture within my organization that is someone that feels part of a family that fights for every other member of the family, but also wants to make some money. Well, brilliant. Simon, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom about how to set up a channel partner program, your experiences on both sides of it, and as well as how to think about the roles and, and hiring for those roles. So thanks so much for being on today. Hey, no problem, Jeremy. It's great. Great fun. Thanks very much. Thank you for listening to the Smooth Scaling Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, or tell a friend. For more information about the topics we discussed today, check out the Insight Partners blog at insightpartners.com slash blog. See you next time.